You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a podcast that's all about supporting parents as they bring up children. We've got experts and advice to help you through the more challenging bits of parenting. I'm Siobhan Hunt. When it comes to a life well-lived, you can't get more impressive than Dr. Catherine Hamlin. Catherine spent her life treating women who had obstetric fistulas in Ethiopia and in doing so both improved and saved countless lives. Now author Sue Williams has shed light on an incredible friendship Catherine shared with a former patient, Mamitu Gache. Sue joins us now. Hi Sue, how are you? Hi Siobhan, I'm really well thanks. How did you come to write this story? Well, I went over to Ethiopia a few years ago um, because I've always been fascinated by Ethiopia because it's, I'm a real Africaphile. I love Africa, but Ethiopia is so different to the rest of the continent, really, because it's never been colonised and it's kind of quite different. The north is very Christian, the south is very animist, and it's, got, it's right in the middle of the Great Rift Valley, so the geography is quite extraordinary. So I was fascinated to, to actually finally visit there. And while I was there, I went to see Catherine Hamlin, and had a look around the organisation, met lots of people in the organisation and um, did some interviews with her for a story for a magazine. And then when I came back, um, the organisation loved the story I'd done for a magazine and said, we would love someone to write a new book about Catherine Hamlin because there was a book which came out 20 years ago, which maybe some of your listeners have read, called The Hospital by the River, which was the story of her life. But they said, now's time for a new book. And one of her former patients was finally ready to talk about their friendship together. And so they said, this is a fantastic opportunity. You know, would you be prepared to to write the book? And I said, I'd love to write the book. So that's kind of how it happened. Of course, central to Catherine's story and this story is um, her work helping women who have obstetric fistulas. Can you actually explain what it is and why it's such a problem in Ethiopia? Absolutely. Well, obstetric fistula is something that we just don't see anymore in the Western world and in Australia. You know, it's been a long, long time since we've we've had any, any birth injuries of, of this kind. But basically the injury is is kind of a hole in, in the wall between um, the womb and the the bladder or the womb and the um, rectum. And so when you have a really bad childbirth, if the baby's in the wrong position, you know, it would be a breech birth. And where we would normally have a cesarean or we'd have a lot of help with a birth, in lots of places in Africa, particularly in Ethiopia, there's, there's so few clinics, so few midwives and so few doctors, they just don't have access to those medical services and so they often, childbirth can go on for days and days and days. And, and sometimes it goes on, you know, for maybe six days. The baby dies in the womb or maybe it's kind of half out. Um, and the, the constant rubbing of the baby's head on the, on the pelvis um, creates holes in the organs, really. So these women are in absolute agony, but the, their child is dead as well. And um, they have real trouble kind of pushing the baby out. So as a result, there are these holes or fistula in in their bodies. And it means that they often don't have any control over their urine or their feces. So they're kind of left in absolute agony, suffering the horrible grief of having lost a child. And now 
in addition, they can't control their urine or their feces. So they're often a long way from water, so they can't wash as often as we could. Um, they don't have things like incontinence pads or anything like that. And so they're often abandoned by their, their husbands. Their villages don't really want to see them anymore. Their families can't cope with them. And their lives are pretty much destroyed. Some of them have gone off and, and they live in caves and rely on their families to bring them food once a day or bring them water. And it's just horrendous because these are often quite young girls and their lives are almost over before they've even begun. I understand that actually fixing a fistula isn't the most complex surgery. Um, Would that be right? No, that's absolutely right. Most fistulas are apparently incredibly easy to fix surgically. There are some really complicated ones, but for most of them, it's a really simple operation. Unfortunately, these girls just don't have access to to doctors or to surgeons who can who can do it until um, Catherine Hamlin and her husband Reginald Hamlin came along, leaving Australia in 1959 to go over to Ethiopia. And they were going originally to work in a hospital to set up a midwifery service. But they met so many of these young girls who had terrible fistula and whose lives, you know, they were suicidal, they felt their lives weren't worth living anymore. They decided to devote themselves to trying to fix up the fistulas and had books sent over and read everything they could about fistula and how to fix them and then started doing operations of their own. Because I think the last fistula that we know about was in the 1800s in the US. You know, we just don't have them anymore. We have proper medical services for when we're going through pregnancy these days. I mean, it's pretty extraordinary um, that they left back in the 50s and they they spent the rest of their lives in Ethiopia. Is that right? They did. They went there on a three-year contract and just never left. (laughs) (laughs) I think think they, they really fell in love with these fistula girls because Many of them were quite young. Many of them were just 14, 15, 16. And um, they were in such, they were, they were such tragic figures. Um, they just couldn't help their hearts going out to them. And they just felt that, well, Reg used to call them the fistula pilgrims because in Ethiopia it was often much worse than any other African countries because the, the high plains, the incredible mountainous geology made it really hard for these girls to walk to villages or travel to, to, to towns to go to hospitals or see doctors. So some of them would walk for days or for weeks. And one woman begged for 20 years to get the bus fare, you know, that kind of thing. So these women were absolutely desperate for help. And I think Catherine and Reg just melted when they met these amazing young women who were so strong and tough and determined, and they really wanted to do everything they could to help them. Now, this book is also about a very special friendship between Catherine and Mamitu, but you couldn't have people from two more different backgrounds. Can you tell us a little bit about Mamitu's childhood and how it compared to Catherine's? (laughs) Yes, you're you're quite right. You couldn't have had two more different women, really. Um, So Mamitu was just um, 20 years younger than Catherine, and she first met Catherine in 1962 when she she was having a baby and it, it ended disastrously. So she grew up on the high plains of Ethiopia, a really remote, tiny little village. She had to walk all day to, to fetch water for her family and then walk the rest of the day back. They had nothing. They lived in a little hut. Um, they slept on the bare mud floor. 
And Catherine's childhood, which was in Sydney on the on the North Shore, she lived in a nice house with her brothers and sisters, very well-to-do family. They lived on the water. They had a fountain in their front garden, you know, whereas Mamitu had a long, long way to any water. It was quite astonishing. Mamitu never went to school at all, whereas Catherine went to university, obviously, to study to become a doctor, so she had a great education. Um, Mamitu had never worn shoes in her life. Um, Catherine always says about how she was a tomboy and would ruin pairs of shoes all the time, climbing trees and jumping in, in mud and fields and things. So they're startlingly different. Um, they couldn't have been more different, really. But they both had this real determination to help other people and to survive. So going back to Catherine and what led her to Ethiopia, what role would you say uh, religion played in who Catherine became? Um, A lot. She was always a really devout Christian and her husband Reginald was as well. Both had missionaries in their backgrounds, you know, grandparents who had been missionaries. And she grew up in a very Anglican family, going to church regularly on Sundays And she grew up really wanting to help other people. And she kind of thought at one point about becoming a missionary, but ended up becoming a doctor, which is, you know, some would say much more helpful than being a missionary. (laughs) (laughs) I guess being a missionary doctor is fantastic. (laughs) So she was really determined. And and often, I mean, missionaries have provided so much education in the developing world and so many medical services. And perhaps without that real faith, maybe they wouldn't have had the determination and the strength to have survived the kind of things that they did survive because Catherine in Ethiopia you know there was a a revolution there was a a communist dictatorship for a while which led to the deaths of many many people Um, she suffered an awful lot there were terrible um, fights for power and the hospital where she worked was kind of in the middle of the two rival factions and there were bullets going all over the place and she only just avoided a couple of times being hit by a bullet So she carried on absolutely regardless. And maybe those of us with less faith and fewer convictions maybe wouldn't have lasted. When you talk about how Mamitu and Catherine met, so basically Mamitu was one of the fistula pilgrims um, Mm. and she was effectively Catherine, Catherine or Reginald, one of them, basically saved her life. I can completely understand how someone going through that experience would want to devote themselves to the person who saved them. But it was quite unusual what Mamitu went on to do, wasn't it? Yes, quite. Um, she she um, was engaged at 13 and she was married at, at 15 and she was pregnant at 16 and she had a terrible birth. She was in labour for five days. She nearly died. Um, she realised that she had to get help and her family carried her on a stretcher down the mountainside and then somebody put her on a bus and took her to to the hospital where they heard these white people were doing amazing work and she arrived almost half dead. And I think Catherine and Reg were just, you know, amazed by the fact that she'd survived because she had such terrible internal injuries and they promised her that they would help her. And over time... Mamitu was so brave. She underwent 10 operations. Um, So it was really painful surgery in those days. It was really difficult, but she never, ever gave up. 
And she became devoted to Reg and Catherine, and Catherine in turn became devoted to her. So Mamita used to call her mother, and Catherine regarded her as a daughter. Um, Catherine already had one son, but she said, this is my daughter now. And the two of them became very, very close. And Mamitu started off trying to show her gratitude by cleaning the floors of the hospital and then making the hospital beds and doing everything she could to help. And then gradually she started assisting in operations. And after a while, she proved so adept at that, she started operating herself. And remarkably today, even though she's still never had a day's education, she can't speak English, um, you know, she, she doesn't know very much of life, well, she'd never knew much of life outside her own little village. Um, she's now one of the top fistula surgeons in the world. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> so, yeah, and she trains all these other um, top surgeons come from all over the world, from the US, from Britain, from all over Africa, come to visit her to learn how to do fistula surgery. So one person said to me, you know, there is no person who is actually performing fistula surgery in the world today that hasn't either been taught by Mamitu or taught by somebody who's been taught by Mamitu, which is quite remarkable. Quite incredible. It's this, I find this story really interesting because while Catherine was given every advantage in life, it still feels like this is a story about the triumph of women, of what women can do if given the opportunity. So Catherine... Uh, was unusual in her time for pursuing an education in medicine and then for probably going to Ethiopia and pursuing the line of work she did. And, of course, for Mamitu to overcome all of the adversity to be the world's best fistula surgeon, it Mm. seems like a real, almost like a feminist novel. I know it wasn't written Mm. that way, but do you get that sense about it? Oh, yeah, really tough, strong women and the way Catherine and Mamitu formed this, this really powerful friendship, I think both of them felt that anything was possible. They, they could have achieved anything, really. Um, Reg sadly died of cancer quite a long time ago now, so Catherine's been on her own for a long, long time. And towards the end of her life, because as we know, she died earlier this year, sadly, Mamitu always nursed her. So the two women were always a really strong, always had a really strong bond, a really strong connection. And although they were so different, they had this fantastic friendship and they would take the mickey out of each other because Catherine could be quite imperious at times. Mamita was always really quite humble, but everybody really laughed to see them together and that they would kind of be really cheeky with each other. And they had this, this great, real love for each other that you could see. And it enabled them to both conquer incredible heights, really. I mean, Catherine taught Mamita how to operate um, towards Catherine, the end of Catherine's life, when she finally stopped, well, when she was slowing down the operations, Mamitu would give her just little bits of operations to do and finish them off for her because Catherine couldn't stand for long periods. So they really helped each other all the way through. And, yeah, you're quite right. It's a really strong, um, a really strong, powerful pair of women that have really changed the world, I think, because... Through them, there are so many more surgeons who can now do fistula surgery throughout Africa and throughout Asia, where fistula is is still relatively sadly common. Um, so they have saved so many women's lives. And what would you say their legacy has been for Ethiopia? Well, the legacy for Ethiopia is they've really improved the health system. I think everybody saw what they were doing. 
and the government was then under pressure to increase spending on health and particularly women's health. They also passed new laws to um, end child marriage so that girls couldn't be married until they were over 16, whereas in the past they were sometimes married at 12, 11. Um, So they really helped um, change the world of women in Ethiopia. And at the same time, it's become a real inspiration for the rest of women in Africa. They saw what was happening in Ethiopia and um, they've kind of taken heart from that. Um, So I think the legacy... I mean, when Catherine's passed, Mamitu is still now operating, but the legacy really is in lots of fistula hospitals around the developing world now because there was only ever one, and that was in the 1800s in New York. Then the second ever fistula hospital was the one started by Catherine and Reg, and now there are over 100 fistula hospitals dedicated to fistula surgery throughout the world. And that's the huge legacy that Catherine has left behind and that Mamitu is still working for. It's such an incredible story. So thank you so much for speaking with us. Oh, it's a great pleasure. It's lovely to talk about this. That's Sue Williams. She's the author of Healing Lives, and you'll find links to where you can get a copy of the book in the notes of this episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.